Nice way to start the morning. Merry Christmas. Y'all are welcome to scoot in closer since we're a small group and we're going to be pretty informal this morning. Um, but it is um, a wonderful time this morning to gather together and to be here to celebrate the gift that has been given to us in Jesus Christ and to be in this space to um, take some time to do that is nice. Um, today is meant to be casual. It's going to attempt to be a little interactive, so we might have some opportunity for a little back and forth and feel free to forth when I back. <laughs> Um, but just to kind of share a little bit as we sing some of the carols and um, have some reflection time together. Um, so after the call to worship and the lighting of the Advent wreath, I've got different ones of you that are helping with that litany that you see in the bulletin. Um, and we'll respond with, we celebrate the light. And then at the very last one, you'll see it says, add your own words. So if you think of things that you would like to offer um, that aren't already listed there, that's a, that's a back and forth thing. So <laughs> um, feel free to share. I've got um, a couple of people who said they would do that, but go ahead and just add to it. And we'll just keep going until it kind of winds down on its own. And then I'll lead us in the closing prayer part of it that's on the top part of the next bulletin. But I wanted to start this morning, some of you may be familiar with Ann Weems' um, book, Kneeling in Bethlehem. She's also got Kneeling in Jerusalem for Lent. Um, but I thought I would start with one of her poems. It's called The Christmas Spirit. The Christmas Spirit is that hope which tenaciously clings to the hearts of the faithful and announces in the face of any Herod the world can produce and all the indoors slammed in our faces, and all the dark nights of our souls, that with God all things are still possible, that even now unto us a child is born. Alleluia. And as it is a joy to have arrived at Christmas Day, I'm going to, I don't think, do y'all want to stand and sing or you want to sit and sing? Sit. Okay, Anita claimed it first. <laughs> We're going to sit and sing um, where we left off yesterday, um, verses 1 and 4 of Joy to the World.
As you'll follow along in the responsive call to worship in the bulletin, we come to Christmas Day. Giving thanks for the light that shines in us and around us. Giving thanks for the opportunity to share the light with us. Even here, even now. And in every place and moment, the grace of the world. We celebrate the light. In our work. We celebrate the light. In our neighborhoods. We celebrate the light. In the life and ministry of McGregor. We celebrate the light. In our nation. We celebrate the light. In our world. We celebrate the light. In our schools. We celebrate the light. In our communities. We celebrate the light. In our gratitude. We celebrate the light. In our church. We celebrate the light. In our families. We celebrate the light. In our friends. We celebrate the light. In our choir. We celebrate the light. In our play. We celebrate the light. In a stranger. In a stranger, we celebrate the light. In the mystery. We celebrate the light. In our love. Let us conclude with the prayer at the top there. Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. May we have eyes to see you and ears to hear you as you are born into our world once more. Amen. Last night we heard the birth story from Luke. This morning it seems appropriate to hear John's version, um, which is a little loftier, a little more theological, but um, and certainly just as beautiful in its own right. <clears throat> hear now God's word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Amen. And today we hear a little early, but it seems appropriate. Um, We're going to hear Matthew's, bless you, um, Matthew's version, um, or Matthew's continued part of the Christmas story um, from chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word." so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So I always like to share, well, I love children's stories. And so I always like to, around this time of year, um, share a children's story when I have that opportunity. And I was trying to think about which one to share. And I felt like this one, this is Home by Another Way by Barbara, Barbara Brown Taylor. It's one of my favorite books. Brian was rooting for another one, but <laughs> maybe another time. But it seems a little of a jump because it's Christmas Day and not Epiphany, but the way the calendar falls, we don't really get Epiphany this year. And so we've heard the birth story first with lessons and carols. We heard it again last night. And so I thought, you know, we're going to do it (laughs) because we all consider the Magi part of the Christmas story, even though historically that probably wasn't true. It still is. We've all got the the Magi. Has anybody not put the Magi in their nativities yet? Do some of you do that? Some people do that. I I don't do that. (laughs) Mine are there. Baby Jesus has been there for a long time. But some people like to do that. Um, So I thought, well, you know what? It's called Home by Another Way, A Christmas Story. So it's right there in the title, and I decided we would do it. Um, The idea of 
the journey is such a part of McGregor as well that it just seemed very appropriate um, for us to share this. So I'm going to share the story and then a couple of thoughts about it. And if you have thoughts that you want to share about it, if there are particular lines that catch your attention or jump out at you or have meaning for you, then we'll stop and, and share those as well. But today you get to hear a story. All right, I know if you're sitting way far away, you cannot see these pictures, but once upon a time, there were three very wise men who were all sitting in their own countries, minding their own business, when a bright star lodged in the right eye of each of them. The star was so bright that none of them could tell whether it was burning in the sky or in their own imaginations, but they were wise enough to know it did not matter all that much. The point was, something beyond them was calling them, and it was a tug they had been waiting for all their lives. Each in his own country had tried books, tried magic, tried astrology. One had lived on nothing but dried herbs boiled in water. Another had spent his entire fortune learning how to read and write in an ancient language. The third had learned to walk on hot coals, though it did nothing for him beyond the great sense of relief he felt at the end. Despite their best efforts, all three of them still felt that something was missing. They were all glad for a reason to get out of town, which was clearly where the star was calling them, out away from everything they knew how to manage and survive out from under the reputations they had built for themselves, the high expectations, the disappointing returns. And so they set out one by one, each believing that he was the only one with a star in his eye, until they all ran into one another on the road to Jerusalem. From a distance, each thought the other to be a mirage at first, a twinkling reflection made of vapor and heat, but as they drew near to one another, they saw the star they had in common, like a tattoo or a secret handshake, something that made them brothers before they spoke. They all believed that the star was leading them to Jerusalem. This made perfect sense because they had every reason to believe they were on their way to meet a king. They had no trouble gaining entrance to the palace. They looked rich, and that was enough to get them a royal audience. But the king they met was something of a disappointment. He was lumpy and rumpled, and he had terrible breath. His skin looked a funny orange color and sickly, as if his bile had gotten the best of him. The guards on either side of him shook in fear of their king, so much that their spears rattled against their shields. Without even comparing notes, the wise men knew he was not the person they were looking for. Do you know of any other kings in the general area, they asked him. He had been picking at his fingernails until then, letting them know how bored he was, but their question got his attention. He looked right at them for the first time. That was when he saw the star in each of their eyes. His own eyes grew perfectly round, like the eyes of a snake." The king asked the wise men if they would please excuse him for a moment. Then he stepped into his private chapel to confer with his clergy. They whipped out their old reference books, which smelled of mold, and told the king what he wanted to know. 
Yes, they said, there was something in the book of Micah about a new ruler for Israel, but nothing to get excited about. It was short. It had been there for a long time. It was unlikely that the men in the other room were fulfilling that prophecy. But sure, why not? Send the wise men to Bethlehem to check it out, to save the king a little money instead of doing his own research. So that was what the king did. He gargled, combed his hair, and went back to tell the wise men they should go to Bethlehem at once with his blessing. On one condition, that they come back and tell him who his successor was so that he could um, send flowers to the new king. His breath smelled like pine saw when he said it, which made the wise men feel queasy. They knew something was not right. But once they were back out in the night air, they could see the star in the sky again, and it set their minds at rest. They followed it right to the doorway of a one-room house in Bethlehem. It was a perfectly nice place, modest but well-built, though not the kind of place where they had expected to find a king. A dog was sniffing the woodpile under the eaves in hope of a mouse. Someone was practicing the lute next door, going over the same notes, again and again. The smell of dinner was still in the air. Wheat cakes cooked on a griddle greased with sheep's fat, lentils with lots of garlic and rice. The place looked so simple, they might never have chosen it themselves. But since the star had chosen it for them, they knocked. When the door opened, the couple standing behind it almost died of fright. Not that the wise men noticed. With their arms full of gifts, they crowded into the small space, bumping their turbans on the rafters and snagging their robes on the rough furniture. All they could see was the baby, who was not afraid and whose right eye shone with the same star they had seen before they had ever left home. It was him, whoever he was. They did not have a clue, but they knew what to do. They got on their knees and bowed their heads. Then they gave him the things they had brought for him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all the wrong things they could see now, things he had no use for. They should have brought him goat's milk, a warm blanket, something shiny to hang above his crib. But how could they have guessed? The child's parents were gracious. They thanked the strangers for their expensive gifts and held them up for the baby to see. (laughs) Then to the wise men's complete surprise, the child's mother picked him up and handed him around so that each of them held that damp, soft, living weight in his arms. When they were finished admiring him, she took her baby back, nursed him, and put him to bed. Then before the light coming through the window of the house had entirely gone out, the three wise men fell asleep right where they sat. In the morning when they woke, the wise men could not find their stars anywhere. They searched each other's eyes, but the stars were gone. Frantically, they looked in all the corners and under the chairs. The baby's mother even shook out his blankets, but still no stars. Soon the wise men calmed down and said, never mind, we do not need them anymore. They had found what they were looking for, something that they could not lose. As much as they hated to, they added they had better be on their way. They would not be going back through Jerusalem, they said. All three of them had woken from the same identical dream, warning them to steer clear of the city. If anyone in Jerusalem knew anything at all, they would be here instead of there. 
Besides, none of the wise men's old maps worked anymore. They would have to find a new way home. So the wise men picked up their packs, which were lighter than before. Then they lined up in front of the baby to thank him for the gifts that he had given them. What in the world are you talking about? The baby's mother said, laughing. For the scent and weight and skin of a baby, said the first wise man, who had no interest in living on herbs anymore. For this home and the love here, said the second wise man, who could not remember how to say it in the ancient language. For a really great story, said the third wise man, who thought that telling it might do a lot more for him than walking on hot coals. Then the wise men walked outside, stretched, kissed the baby goodbye, and went home by another way. So one of the lines that grabs me in this story is when they talk about despite their best efforts, what is it? All three of them still felt that something was missing. And isn't that true for us sometimes? We come to church, even on Christmas Day we come, we say our prayers, we read the scriptures, we engage in spiritual practices, we address social and justice issues, and all of that is good, and I would say even necessary, but the truth is even our best efforts aren't enough. Not because they aren't good, but because God is so much more good. God is so much gooder. <laughs> Our efforts then must not be in trying to reach for God, but rather as responses to God's goodness. And I think we sometimes get that turned around. Um, but at Christmas, we remember that God comes to us first, always. So something will always be missing for us until we, like the wise men, are willing to strike out on a new path and to follow the urgings of our hearts, the signs and wonders that God sends us to lead us directly to the Christ child. Something is missing until we ourselves have peered into the manger, have absorbed the weight and smell and softness of the baby's skin, have let him fully into our lives and given him our hearts and then have been changed and transformed by him, which is a daily thing. We're not a one and done, <laughs> but a daily transformation, a daily letting Christ in and giving up of our lives. Um, so that was just one of the lines that, I, I, that struck me. Despite our best efforts, something is missing because... At the end of the day, it's not about us. And then another one was, and then sometimes like the wise men, maybe we too bring gifts that we think are all the wrong things. Things that maybe Jesus has no use for. If you heard that thing about if it would have been three wise women, they'd have brought diapers and a casserole and cleaned up the house afterwards. <laughs> they would have. <laughs> But we know how it must have felt for the wise men, right? To have their gifts and thinking that they're bringing these wonderful things and then to realize that they were all wrong. Because have you ever done that? You've prepared a gift or you've given a gift, even one that you're excited about, and then just something in the moment of the giving, you realize something's off. It's just not quite right, and it falls flat and just isn't, 
it just, it feels deflating. And yet, what happened in the story? It didn't matter. The parents still graciously and joyfully received the gifts that were given. And so too with God. Because whatever gift that we offer, it is always good enough when it comes from our hearts, when it is a sign of our love for God. And it's always received graciously and warmly. Our gifts matter. All our gifts. There is no gift too odd or too awkward or too small or too wrong. Because when we lay our gifts, whatever they are, before Jesus... When what we have comes from our hearts, then every one of those gifts is appreciated and valued because we ourselves are valued. And not because of our gifts or our efforts, but simply because we are children of God. And that's enough. That's all. And then finally, and I think ultimately the message that is not only of this story, but of the gospel story is that once we have encountered the Christ child, whether we're told in a dream or not, we discover that our old maps don't work anymore and we have to find a new way home. When we have come face to face and heart to heart with Jesus Christ, all of our old ways simply no longer work. That's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as the church. When we encounter Christ full of grace and truth, We become a new creation that requires new ways of thinking, new ways of looking at the world, new ways of living and moving and being in the world. And it's refreshing and exciting and energizing and sometimes a little scary. (laughs) So we leave the manger, we leave the Christmas story, all of it, the whole of it, grateful for the scent and weight and skin of a baby grateful for the love that we find here, and grateful for a really great story, a life-changing, world-transforming story that is now ours to go and tell. And it's better than walking on hot coals. (laughs) Our journeys of faith here in this church, wherever we are, will lead us home, always. But having met and been touched by the Christ child, the gospel good news is that our journeys will lead us home in a way that we could never have imagined or expected or anticipated. And so as we continue through the Christmas season and into a new year, that invitation is for us to step out on, to join the journey, knowing that our old maps, especially in this postmodern, post-pandemic world, don't work anymore, but to trust the path that God is laying out before us and be willing to find our way home together by another way. Thanks be to God. Amen. And I guess I'm curious before we move on as to whether, was there anything in that story that struck you or that spoke to you, Alice? The familiarity that she wrote into that story where Mary let the wise man hold the baby. And I think anybody holds a baby, is there is a bond, whether it's your baby or a friend's baby. When you look into the eyes of that child, you just see the amazement, the gift. And I really like that. It should have been written into scripture. I agree. I agree. 
Yeah, that I didn't think about that, but yeah. Well, I'm wondering, the wise men in the story were certainly grateful for the gifts that they received. And weren't they great gifts? The scent and weight and the skin of a baby, the home and the love that was found there, and a really great story. And so I'm wondering, if you thought about it for a moment, what gift, either what gift would you want to offer the Christ child this year, or what gift have you received this season? Not necessarily material or tangible, but just a gift um, of faith that you have re- received or given. I received a note from a friend, um, and she told me something that had happened when I was with her um, that I never realized, and she was grateful. And so made me reflect, like, why did that time mean something to her? And so it brought me back to when we were talking. And uh, that's, that was a gift. I called her and said, you made my Christmas. How about the love of grandchildren? Just little moments. The 40 days of prayer, that was a gift to me. not only for the prayer aspect, but being with other members of the church and discussing our hopes from the brain. Respected and approaching actions and service to others. Well, it's a gift. But I don't think they always, at least I haven't always done type of thinking. Sure. You know, how many actions every day, just even by nature, are, are done through selfishness? So to be deliberate about making your actions in service to others, I, I think, you know, maybe for you it comes naturally easily, but I, I, I think you can pick up a newspaper, turn on a TV, and see that for humanity, that's, that's not a, it's something that doesn't necessarily come easily. I would say this church has certainly been a gift to me um, over these last, however long I've been here now, I have kind of lost track. I know right when we were getting ready for Advent, Jane was like, well, you were here last Christmas, weren't you? No, I was not. (laughs) But I have kind of, but one of the things I told a friend of mine was that you all make me want to be a better preacher. Um, And that is a real gift because... um, I haven't always felt that way or that challenge or that um, inspiration, I guess. So thank you for that. Well, it is always a privilege to share our gifts and what we have and who we are. And um, I would invite you to leave your offering in the offering plates this morning. um, Or as always, you can give online or send your gift to the church. And again, there is no wrong gift when it comes from the heart um, and when it's a response to the gift that we have received ourselves in Christ.
So I thought as we offered our prayers this morning that when I get to a point and say, hear us, O God, then you'll respond for your mercy is great. Let us pray together. Oh, Emmanuel, God with us, on this Christmas morning and every morning, we celebrate the light, the light of a new day, the light of the stars, candlelight, and the light that the darkness cannot overcome. We give you thanks that you are a God who takes risks for our sakes. You risk being born into a world such as this. You risk taking on flesh that is fragile, vulnerable, and new. Oh God, we give you thanks for your presence gives us hope this Christmas day. As we come before you today, some of us may be weary from late night Christmas Eve festivities or maybe from a earlier than usual morning we pause in the midst of all our celebrations to come and adore you, to find our own kneeling places. Hear us, O oh God, for your mercy is great. We come grateful for all the good gifts with which you have blessed us as we look back and remember this past year. And we come to pray for those who are especially in need of hope this day. Help us, Prince of Peace, to respond to your extraordinary love with love of our own. Help us to be present today with family, friends, and loved ones while remembering those for whom this holiday surfaces pain and loss. As you have reached out to us in the birth of Jesus Christ, so too may we reach out to others. Hear our petitions for those in need of your presence and your joy and your love. Hear us, O oh God, for your mercy is great. Emmanuel, hear us as we pray for our world, for an end to the ongoing war in Ukraine, for the women of Iran, for those longing for peaceful solutions to age-old conflicts, we pray for the oppressed who are in need of liberation, for evil powers to be overthrown, for wrongs to be made right, for those thirsty for justice to be satisfied. Hear us, O oh God, for your mercy is great. Emmanuel, hear our prayers for our community. Bind us together in faith and in service. Enlighten us to the needs in our community and empower us for action that we might work to solve systemic problems rather than making do with providing only band-aids. Help us to make room in our communities for weary travelers, people like Mary and Joseph in need of a safe place to stay. Help us make room for those who long to belong but who feel left out in the cold. Hear us, O oh God, for your mercy is great. Emmanuel, hear us as we pray for our friends and loved ones. Bless us and those we love this day. Heal those suffering from the illnesses of this winter season. Comfort those who have recently lost loved ones. 
those morning empty seats at the table. Renew those needing respite and strengthen them with Sabbath time and space. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. Mighty God, whose word we trust and whose spirit enables us to pray, accept these our prayers and further those which will bring about your purposes in and for the world. Send us out from this place to go and tell the good news that Jesus Christ is born and give us eyes to find him in the faces of our families, our friends, even strangers. And finally, hear us as we pray together the prayer that Christ has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'll share with y'all that Carol has a special place in our family's heart because when Kara and Aaron were five and Benjamin was getting ready to be born in early January, that became, after he was born, go tell it on the mountain that Benjamin Tucker is born. <laughs> and so I always think about that when we sing that carol. But let us go now to shine the light of Christmas upon all those we meet and having encountered the Christ child, knowing that our old maps just don't work anymore, let us be eager to find our way home by another way. Go in peace and Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> 